All right. Thank you for coming out tonight. Have your Bible. Turn to 1 John chapter 1. We're continuing uh, where I left off a couple weeks ago. And um, we returned. My brother had a wedding, and uh, we were gone, and then get a chance to come back. I appreciate Terry Hyman covering for me while I was gone. Thank you very much, Brother Terry. And uh, take your Bible, turn to 1 John 1. We're going to pick up uh, a lot of this. If you have the handout from last time, you'll have some of the blanks already filled out. But I reprinted the handouts, the same handout as last time, and put it on the table. Be sure to grab one uh, if you'd like. And uh, the, the basic idea we want to start off with is this, is this idea that when we walk with God, our idea of walking with God is, is, a, is something that we ought to pay close attention to on a regular basis, that we ought to be confessing sin on a regular basis, that, that confession and repentance and asking forgiveness for sin is not something that just happens at once a blue moon. It ought to be something that's a regular part of our Christian life. Um, we talk at the beginning the difference between a relationship and fellowship. I wanted to to just briefly touch on that before we finish this, but we talked about this, that uh, I'm defining a relationship as something that is um, uh, established at salvation, your relationship with God. So we are called the, the children of God. A relationship is, is a permanent, established thing. Permanent and established. Whereas your fellowship is something that is, is, it can change from time to time. Your fellowship with someone is your, we often confuse these words. You might say, how's your relationship with your wife? We don't mean, is she still your wife? We mean, you know, are you talking? And so in this, we're talking about this as, as that use. I wanted to find those because when we sin, do we lose our relationship with God when we sin? No. You do not stop becoming a child of God when you sin. But when you, become a, when you sin as a child of God, do you, does it harm your fellowship with God? Absolutely it does. Certainly it does. It, it, it harms your fellowship with God. And where is, the, where is the harming done? Is it on God's end or on our end? It's our, it's our end. It's our fault. God is light and Him is no darkness at all. It's not that God moved. We moved. Right? We, we shifted. We, we offended. So in this, uh, I put those two terms, relationship and fellowship, want to talk about that. Romans, I'm sorry, Romans, First uh, John 1, uh, 5 through 7, the first step, I have four steps here of how to have, basically, I've, I've titled this, I've preached this as a message before with the title, basically, of how to have fellowship with God. And the first step is to know God. This is step number one. You cannot have fellowship with someone you do not know. You must know God. And he says at the beginning, uh, verse 5, this is the message we've Heard from him, declare to you that God is light, in him is no darkness at all. God is light. Light dispels darkness. Light is is uh, it, you know exposes. Um, God, light gives life. It, it cannot coexist with darkness. God has no moral defects in him. God is perfect. In him is light. Is no darkness at all. So, if you keep going, we say our God is perfect. That's the second blank. Our God is perfect. And if you keep going, he says in verse 6, if we say we have fellowship with him, the God of light, and we walk in darkness, what, is that, what does that mean? What are we doing? We're lying, and we're not practicing the truth. So God is light, and if we say that we are 
walking with God, but our life is showing something the opposite. If we're walking in darkness, we're lying. And the way I like to draw this out as a picture is, is that our walk with God is a lot like uh, walking down a path of light. And if God is here, we're walking closer to God, and our goal is to obey God, to stay within the, the, or, the place of light where God is. It, where God is is light. He's given us orders, He's given us commands, and He said, walk this way, and we walk towards God, okay? Now, outside of this is all kinds of darkness. There are all kinds of ways you can sin. The ways you can sin are in, in, immeasurable, okay? We can sin all kinds of ways. Um, and, and the Bible says, if you say that you have fellowship with God, but you're walking in the darkness, if you're walking over here, you're not, okay? It's, it's not God's fault. It's our fault. There's no darkness in Him. Uh, it, our claims of fellowship I have here don't mean we have fellowship. Uh, it doesn't mean, you know, what, it's one thing to, to say that you're walking with God. It's another thing to actually walk with God. So, um, uh, our fellowship, in fact, he says in verse 7, whether or not we have fellowship with God depends on our choices. Look at verse 7. He says, but if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have what? There's our word. We have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, this, we talked about this, again, right way of review. The word one another has two ways of interpreting this. It's either that we have fellowship with the God in us, you know, because that's the two parties mentioned, or it's also using the word one another like it's often used in Paul's epistles when he's talking about the people of the church. Okay? Either one actually is a valid interpretation of this verse. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. So the horizontal and the vertical relationship is both good. Um, or that it's explaining the other. Whatever the case, fellowship with God depends on whether we are walking in the light. Okay, are you walking in the light? Are you walking in God's way? If you love me, keep my commandments. Okay, obedience is important. Our culture today downplays obedience. We're all about being and not about doing, right? And it's more about, uh, the Bible has both. We are a child of God, but we must walk like children of God. We must live in the light as God is in the light. So, condition, if we walk in the light, the effect, first effect is that we have fellowship with one another. The second effect is Jesus cleanses us from the stain of our sin, so we are cleansed. The second point, the second step that's very important, I feel often gets um, uh, lost among uh, believers, is to be honest. So, we need to know God. Number two, be honest. And he says um, in verse 8 and verse 10, if we say we have not sin, if we say we have no sin, we what? We deceive ourselves. We are self-deceived. Okay? We are lying to ourselves. If we, if we say that we, we claim no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. Verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, we what? Make God to be a liar. So we are we are her- heretical. Right? We are calling God a liar, or we are delusional. We are saying that we're, uh, we're not sinners. Um, people have claimed this. You talk to some people who think they've never done anything wrong, and, and that, is, that is unbiblical, and that's wrong. I think uh, the main thing we have to do is be honest with ourselves. 
And what happens sometimes is we get in our minds this idea that, well, I can't admit to that because I'm beyond that. Have you ever had that thought in your mind? Like, like that, that kind of a sin is a sin a child struggles with or a teenager struggles with. Like, that's not really in my heart. We think of ourselves as, as, as progressing past certain sins. And what we have to do is we have to be honest with ourselves, right? We're not, what I love about thinking about our walk with God in this way is that it's not that we don't compare ourselves with other people. The question is simple. Are you walking in the light or are you not walking in the light? Like, are you walking with God or are you walking in disobedience? Have you disobeyed God? Is there sin that you haven't confessed with God or to God? Or are you, are you covering sin or are you confessing sin? Which is the next step. If you are honest with yourself, you have to be honest. You say, yes, I have sinned. What do I do with that sin? Well, step three is confess sin. And this is 1 John 1, 9. Okay, this is verses 8 and 10, and this is 5 through 7. Confess sin. If we confess our sin, what does the word confess mean? To agree. It means to say the same thing. To agree. This is where we left off last time. Once you're honest and you recognize your sin, it is to agree with God. Confessing your sin is to say the same thing. That means you don't make any excuses for your sin. Okay, if you say, yes, I did this, but what have you just done? If you use the word but, you canceled out everything you did. And now, now what you really mean is what's coming, right? You have a reason or an excuse. Um, you're justifying. And the other way people do this sometimes is they minimize they minimize their sin. They say, well, you know, I, I exaggerated slightly. What they mean is that I lied to make myself look better. But exaggerate slightly sounds a lot better. Or people might say, well, I had a little fling. Well, fling is adultery, right? It sounds a whole lot more innocent to say it was a fling than it was adultery, right? We, we use these words, we mask our sin sometimes by minimizing, justifying, excusing. What's another way people do this? They blame it on other people. It's the oldest, that's the second oldest sin in the book, right? Is when, when Eve said, what's that? Yeah, he, it's his fault. Like, if you had not brought home that, whatever, then I would not have this. Or you made me, that's, that's what my kids say, he made me do it. He didn't make you. Did he force you? Did he take your hand and force you to do it? No, it means that he provoked. Does that, is that an excuse? Well, is it a legitimate excuse? No. You choose to sin when you sin, right? No, no one can make you sin. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Does anybody know that verse? There, there's, there's no temptation taken you except it's common to man. God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to endure it or stand up under it or bear it. So, so we cannot minimize, we cannot excuse. The other one I've noticed a lot of is people blame the sin. Uh, is that when you say that? I'm just type A. It's an excuse, right? You're saying, I can't help that I sin. I can't help that I run over people and I'm prideful and, and, a, and like a bull in a china shop and I don't have any care for others. I can't help that I'm selfish. Here's one. I'm not good with names. Am I stepping on your toes yet? What does that mean? I'm too lazy and selfish to learn your name. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> it hurts, right? But it's true. I mean, think about it. 
Think about it. How, they, what are the excuses we use? Oh, I'm just not good with it. I'm just not good with that. I'm not good at, I'm not good at that. I'm, I, I, you are, I'm not good. <laughs> I, I, I value my time more than the time of others. Okay? That's what, oh, I'm sorry. I'm just, I have the late gene. You know, I'm just always late. Uh, I value my, my time more than the time of others. People waiting on me. I'm not waiting on them, right? Waiting for them. So, you see, now, this might be discouraging, except if you realize that the only way to have victory is to call sin what it is instead of pretending like it's not what it is. See, the thing is, is that so often we downplay our sin because we think we have to be perfect, right? We don't want to call sin sin because if I call it sin, that means I've sinned. That means I'm not perfect. That means I'm not as far along the path as I thought I was in my spiritual growth journey. See, spiritual growth is not about, I use this terminology with younger people, and I don't know if y'all are going to get this or not. So those of you who play video games know about leveling up. You have a character that levels up. Peter Bowker's like, yes, I know this. Talk to me. Uh, leveling characters, stat building, where you, where you build your stats, you get better and better. Spiritual growth is not about stat building or leveling up your character. I mean, you think about it. Some people think about it that way. They think about it. They say, well, last week I had my devotions twice and I prayed three days. This week I had my devotions three times and I prayed four days. I'm growing spiritually. Maybe. What happens next week? Well, next week I have my devotions five times and I prayed six days. What happens the next week? You run out of days eventually. And then it's like, well, how do you grow more? If that's, am I still going to grow? I ran out of days. I'm having my devotions seven days a week. I'm praying an hour a day. I'm giving all my money to feed the poor and my body to be burned. <laughs> but I don't have love, right? So what, what happens? It's not about building your, oh, I went to church four times, then you go to church five times, then we're going to have to invent church services for you to go to to keep growing. It doesn't work that way. It's about, are you walking in the light as he is in the light? What happens is, is we sin, but we don't want to call it sin. And what the only way to victory is actually acknowledging that it's sin. That's where I'm getting is to confess your sin is to say, yes, Lord, that's me. I admit it. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Well, okay. I'm just a human being. I'm just human, right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. There's a difference between a mistake and a sin. Okay. You misspell a word. I misspell words sometimes up here and you people look and you giggle at me and I'm trying to figure out which word it is. That's a mistake. It wasn't a sin. I didn't violate God's law by misspelling a word. Right. But to lie or to cheat, that's not a mistake. See, people sometimes call that a mistake. I made a mistake. What was your mistake? I got drunk and passed out. Oh, wait, now, hold on. That was no mistake. That was a, cho- as a series of choices that you made that violated God's word and violated God's commands about, about self-control and all other things. That wasn't a mistake. That, that, was, a, that was a sin. And sometimes we, we, over, we do the same thing with our... I do this with my spouse sometimes, and I have to ask her forgiveness, because I, I will be picky about things that aren't sins. You know what I'm saying? Things that, like habits. If, it's, if your spouse has a habit that bothers you, do you, do you harp on that habit? Are you, are you un, unmerciful about something that isn't a sin issue? Right? So like chewing with your mouth open is not a sin issue. Well, it isn't a sin issue for you as an adult. It might be if it's a child and you say, you must chew with your mouth closed, and they look at you and they chew with their mouth open. That's a different story, right? So it get, there's a little bit of gray area here. But the point I'm making is that you should not confuse mistakes with sin. We're talking about violating the law of God. 
Yeah. And does it do it that if they sin? To him it is sin. Yeah. If you, it, yeah. If you don't have that relationship first, things that we recognize as sin, someone else, and I want to use cussing. Yeah. A lot of people don't think there's anything wrong with cussing. Sure. Yeah. If they don't have that relationship to know that's a sin. So I'm going to take that even one step further, what you said. A great, great point. And that one of the things that's so important about our fellowship with God is this is really dealing with, when I say this, that you need to confess a sin, people sometimes will say, well, how do I know what to confess? Well, I, I think that, my per, this is my personal view, I think that there, there's a danger on both sides of this. There's a danger, sometimes people are, are very, very introverted, and they get really introspective, and they get really self-critical, and they start over-evaluating every little thing they do for motives. I've talked to people who are like, well, I don't know if I, I gave some money, but then I thought, did I give that for the wrong reason? Was I doing that? And did I look to notice if someone saw that I gave some money, and so I can't do it? And they get very, very, are you know people like this? You know, you know what I'm talking Are you like this? Some of you are like, yes, that's me. Very, very self-critical. I think that God convicts us of sin, and when he convicts us of sin, that's the moment we have to deal with it. This is my personal take on, on, on this, okay? I don't think it's your job to plumb the depths of your heart and look for sin. You know why? You're going to find it. You're going to find lots of sin. And, and I think that your job is to just serve the Lord, to go and read the Word of God, to allow God to convict you of sin. And I describe it like this to my intro class. I say, you know, I think that our hearts are a lot like a big cluttered room that has the lights off, okay? A big cluttered room that has the lights off. And you walk in that room, and there's clutter everywhere. And if you got saved and God turned the lights on in your heart, it would be incredibly depressing and overwhelming, and you wouldn't know where to start. But what God does in his mercy, this has been my experience, and I think it's probably been your experience too, is that God, is, Holy Spirit has like a spotlight or flashlight. And he walks in the room of your heart, and he says, all right, Tony, all right, that spot right there, deal with that. And you're like, but Lord, I don't want to deal with that spot. I'd rather deal with something else. And the, Lord, and the Lord says, no, no, no. This is the area I'm convicting you of right now. Deal with it. What is your job when you need to be honest and say, yes, that's my mess. And then what are you to do with it? Confess it. And then he says, okay, you got that? Good. Now look at this spot. That spot. Oh, no, not that spot, right? And, and God brings us through. And this is what it's like. When, have you ever noticed that sometimes you're with people, just like you were saying, Donna, you're with people sometimes who are struggling in different areas, or maybe they, they do things and you're like, how, how do they not have a problem with that? Like they're saved, but like I've dealt with people and you're like, you know, they have something that I feel like is a big glaring issue. There are, there are times in the, in, the, in the Bible where we're supposed to, as a church, help people grow through. If you see someone overtaken in a fault, I'm not getting into that right now. But it helps us understand that it's not your job to be the Holy Spirit. It's not your job to walk around and pick apart everybody else's life. Okay, it's your, it's your job to confess your sin. Okay, I'm, I'm way upstream from where I started. I'm way off the path, beaten path. But do you kind of see where we're going with this? Confess your sin and be honest about your sin. And then what happens is, is when you're walking in darkness, the minute you confess your sin, what does God promise to do? He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and you can start walking the light again. Okay. The minute you ask forgiveness, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you believe that? Okay, then why do you ask forgiveness for the same sin multiple times? Okay, but no, I'm talking about, I'm talking about sometimes people, people committed a sin, 
and they ask God to forgive them, and they ask God to forgive them again. I've, I've, I've talked with people like this in my office, and they ask God to forgive, Lord, please forgive me, please forgive me. Do you believe God's word? He says, if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive. So you should believe him and you should move on. <laughs> God says he forgave you. I think just like every time you pray, you may not feel heard. Like sometimes you pray and you feel like God's right there and you're talking to him and he's hearing you. Other times you pray and you're feeling, I don't know if God's hearing me at all. God promises to hear. So if God promises to hear, he's hearing. And if God promises to forgive, he's forgiving. Yeah, Dan. Yeah, yeah, your doubt could be that sin, right? You're, you're, that's a really good point. You're doubting God. You're ta- not taking God at his word. But I think a lot of us, um, I'm just saying you need to believe God, confess your sin, to say the same thing, agree with him. And when Christians confess their sin, God promises to forgive. That's your blank. When Christians confess their sin, God promises to forgive. This is such a liberating and wonderful truth that God promises to forgive okay? He will always forgive your sin. There's not a time when God says, okay, I'm just tired of forgiving your sins. Now, for us, that happens. We get very tired of forgiving people's sin, but God is faithful to forgive your sins. That means he will always do it. He is faithful to forgive your sins. Remember what Jesus said to the uh, disciples when they said, "Uh, Lord, um, my brother sins against me seven times in one day. How often should I forgive him? Uh, He says, up to seven times pat myself on the back here. And, and Jesus says, no, 70 times seven. It's like, what? Um, uh, you know, if you ask somebody, how do you know when someone, how, when should you forgive? Well, when they've changed, when they've repented. How do you know they've repented? Well, when they've changed. Do people have time to change if you're going to forgive them? 70 times seven times, 140 or 40, 490 times. If you're going to forgive somebody 490 times, in one day, how many times is that per hour? How, many, how much time do you have to wait to see if they've changed? The picture is you don't have time to wait. You need to forgive them. Why should you forgive them? Because we've been forgiven. The, picture, the story in Matthew 18 that Jesus then tells is the story of the two debtors, right? Of the one who's forgiven a lot and the one who's forgiven a little or, or asked to be forgiven a little. He goes out and says, no, pay me what you owe me. Remember that story? Okay. So when Christians um, uh, confess their sins, God promises to forgive because God is faithful to forgive us. Romans 5.20 says the law entered that the offense might abound. Where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. And God is just. That is, God is righteous to forgive us. He is righteous to forgive us because the sins were not just looked over. They were paid for. Okay, God is righteous. God, how, what would you think of a judge who you walked in and, and, and your, your sibling, someone you loved, was murdered, and you're in the, the courtroom where the murderer is being sentenced, and the judge says, you know what? Don't worry about it. It's okay. You can go free. What would you think? That's a crooked, that's a crooked judge. But that's not the case with this. God doesn't just say, ah, it's no big deal. The sin cost Jesus his life. He died on the cross for our sins, and he is faithful to forgive us. He is just to forgive us. This is how we are cleansed from our sin. We are cleansed when we ask forgiveness. We are cleansed from the stain. We talked about this on Sunday when we talked about Psalm 51. He says, purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I'll be whiter than snow, Psalm 51, 7. And the last point is to rest in Jesus Christ. Now, sometimes 
when you are reading your Bible, you'll come to an end of a chapter and you will close your Bible because you assume that your chapter is done, your reading is done for the day. But if you'll notice, I like how the New King James does a lot of modern translations do this, where they continue the paragraph through verse 2, because verses and chapters are modern additions to help us find things in the Bible. They, like, John wasn't writing this and saying, chapter 2. <laughs> you know, he was just writing his letter. And so the thought continues. In fact, when you understand what he's saying here, that be honest and confess sin and God will always forgive you. If, God, if I say God will always forgive you your sin, what's the logical question that might come to your mind? No matter how many times I've done it, yeah, I can, I can keep sinning. You mean, you, wait, you mean I can keep sinning? You mean I, it's the same question that Paul brings up in Romans chapter 6, verse 1. He, the thought is, well, if God will always forgive me, then why can't I just sin? Look at what he says. My little children, these things I write to you so you may not sin. He's saying, I, I'm not writing this to give you permission to sin. I'm encouraging you not to sin but if anyone sins, in other words, but since we do sin, we have a what? An advocate. So Jesus is the perfect advocate. He's the perfect go-between. He is the perfect lawyer. He's the perfect attorney. He's the perfect one who is the intercessory for us. He goes before us. He's the advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is perfectly righteous. He's the perfect advocate. He's perfectly righteous. He is called the righteous one. Okay, Jesus is the perfect advocate, the perfect righteous. It's all about Christ who has provided this perfect way of fellowship. This would be completely impossible without Jesus and his cross work and his resurrection from the tomb. He's perfectly righteous without sin. We are not without sin. Verse 8, Verse 10, we are sinners. He is righteous, perfectly righteous. And this next one, verse 2, tells us that he is the perfect propitiation. And what this means is he is the perfect payment. He is both the judge, the advocate, and the payment. He lays down his life for us. And because he is the perfect propitiation, he can forgive us. He has paid our debts. He is the payment for our sin. So we can come to God knowing that in him is light, in him is no darkness at all. We can be honest about our sin because that's the only way we're going to get back on track and walking towards him. And I'll say this last thing that James tells us, draw near to God and I will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. I think that the closer you get to God, the bigger God gets and the more you see your sin. I think the closer you get to God, sometimes the more you see your sin, not the less. And so it might appear to you like you're sinning more. It's just you see your sin more. It's like when you're driving to a big building and you see it from a distance, it looks really small. The closer you get to it, the bigger it gets, and finally you stand next to it, and it's enormous. The closer you get to God, the smaller you are, the more you see imperfections, the more you see your sin. And I think that's what we ought to expect in our Christian life. I think as you grow in Christ, we have this image of we're just going to get more and more perfect, and we're going to be less and less of a sinner, and we're going to one day be walking like on clouds, never sinning. And I think the actual picture is the closer we get to God, the more we see how wretched we are, and the more we recognize we need His mercy and His grace. 
And the more often, and so the way I draw this picture is, sorry about the scribbles here, but I think sometimes our Christian walk is like this, that we spend a lot of time in darkness, but returning, and then eventually, the sign of spiritual growth, in my opinion, is that you stay in the darkness. Your time in walking in darkness is shorter, and it's quicker to get back on the walking in the light. That over time, as you draw close to God, you, you spend that once you're away from God, you recognize it immediately, and you know what to do. You confess your sin, and you walk in with God again. And, and I think sometimes when we're, we can sin, and I've I, I known people. I have a friend who, who was wandering in the darkness for a long time before he came back to God. I mean, years. And that's tragic, but that, that is the case for a lot of people, right? You know them. You know people. Maybe it was you, people running from God for years. And then they get their heart right, they come back to walking in the light. And so I, I would just encourage you to, to, to think in terms of that the, I think walking with God and, and having fellowship with God is not super complicated. I would not overcomplicate this. It's basically be honest with God about your sin. Allow God to convict you of sin. When he convicts you, confess it. Believe he has, has forgiven you of your sin when you confess it. And rest in what Christ has done on the cross. Okay? We have a couple minutes. We can wrap up with any questions you might have or any comments. Any thoughts, questions, comments? As we, yeah. I, I think the idea behind all this is the fellowship part with God, not so much being good. Yeah. Like, you don't confess your sins about you can go like that. good now. Right. You want to have that fellowship with God because that's the part of that. You, you want to get back to having fellowship with God. Absolutely. That's what it's all about. It's about right fellowship with Him. And the sweet fellowship with God. And when we are, when we are walking away from God, and we're walking in darkness. We don't have that fellowship with Him. When you desire that, you're more likely to come back faster. Yeah. Because you miss it. Exactly. Yeah. When you, when you desire that, you're more likely to come back faster. Absolutely. Very good. Yeah. Very true. Thank you. Any other comments or thoughts or questions about about this? You can disagree too. That's fine. Yeah, Andy. What's the, uh, what's the definition? How do you know someone repents? I would just say you know someone repents because they say they repent. And I, I don't know if, if you're, it's not, I don't think it's our job to assess whether the brother has, is born fruits. And because repentance is, uh, there is, you can bear fruits in keeping with repentance. You know, there is the, the outworking of repentance, but I don't think there's time for that to happen. I think I, my personal take is that you have to take them at their word. Him saying I repent, if he doesn't say that, if he doesn't repent at all, where do we stand with forgiveness? Would we be obliged to forgive someone that's unrepentant? Yeah, that's a really good question. I, I, I think that probably needs to be another class and lesson. The question is, is where do we stand with someone who, who asks? Because I think, I think the difference between someone who says, like, I'm sorry, are we good? That's not forgiveness. That's not repentance, right? Uh, we, we teach our children, you say, I'm sorry, I sinned against you, bye, fill in the blank. Would you forgive me? And Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and that, like I said, that would probably take, there's a whole class this summer. You guys should have been in it uh, on forgiveness. But uh, we are to forgive as Christ forgave. And we can talk about that. I, I really, my point in mentioning that was that God promises to forgive us. And he would not require us to forgive. He would not be unforgiving with us if he required us to forgive others. That's the only point I was making, is that we are required to forgive generously. So he always, he said he is faithful and just to forgive us. He always will forgive. I do know that I've talked to people who sometimes have said, yeah, I just feel like if I, I, if I ask God to forgive me one more time, he's just, he's going to be done with me or, you know, something like that. And that, that's the direction I was headed with that, if that makes sense. But maybe that's another thing we can talk about later. I'm sorry. I wish, I just don't have the time to, to dissect that tonight. I apologize. All right. Anything else? There was another hand and yeah, Bill. Exactly. It's not us because we know what the fruits of the Spirit are. I don't have to repeat. We know what the fruits are. The that's of the Spirit. Love, for peace. So I don't have to think every day, okay, I got to love. Okay, I got to be right. joyful. Okay, I can't have peace. I can't get up. I don't have to worry nothing about that stuff. What I have to do is what you said to do. Be honest. When sin's brought forth, confess it. It pushes that old sinful nature and all those rotten stuff away. Mm-hmm. It gives the the Spirit, more room to work in our hearts, and it's the, it's the Spirit of God that conforms us more yeah. like the Lord Jesus Christ. It's Amen. not because of my work, oh, I got to be more joyful, I got to do this. I don't yeah. have to squat. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. confess my sin and be right with God, and, and God does the work. Amen, brother. I, w- I, I will say that uh, I think most, most of the time, we're going to wrap up on this. I, I agree. Well, well said. I think that a lot of time what happens is, is that we, 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 we get convicted of sin, and our, our tendency is to be defensive and to say, ah, I don't want to really go there. Lord, I'll deal with something else. I'm not going to talk about that. And, and, and that is a dangerous thing because when God, like I said, shines the spotlight in our heart, in the room of our heart, we need to deal with what he shows us. And so that's my challenge to you guys tonight. All right. Yeah, Helen. Okay. If we know God, then, you know, by reading the Bible or something, yeah. and, you know, other things like listening to yourself. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, that thing will just go. I mean, we have to be honest with him. We right. can face our sins that we risk in Jesus Christ. That's right. That, yeah. you know, like that, we have fellowship with him. We, we are walking with him in life. So we don't stumble. That's right. Because when we stay out of focus, that's when we have problems. It's very true. And often we'll reali- we won't realize we're in the darkness until we're there. And we stumble and we say, what is going on? Right? Why don't we close in prayer? Thank you so much for your good attention and good help today. Let's, uh, let's close. Lord, we thank you so much for directions in your word that give us guidance on how we are to walk with you. We thank you for the simplicity of our fellowship and relationship to, with you and to you. I pray, God, you'd help us to be honest with ourselves and to repent of sin when we, uh, we see it, to confess it to you, and to uh, choose to walk with you. Thank you for the Spirit that gives us grace and that enables us to do this, and I pray that we would live by your power and under your direction, and we would know you, be honest with you, and rest in the work that's done by Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, God bless you. Have a great night.